I bet on myself now in every scenario, if there's ever a question of, can I do this or should I do this? And will this work out? It's, if I'm putting all of my, my effort into it, I, I, I know it'll work out. I'm going to bet on myself. And I know that, that I can make anything happen if I put my mind to it. Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Menzion, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders in this forum to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Menzion. Welcome to or welcome back to The Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm Vince Menzion, your host, and for this episode of the podcast, I was delighted to welcome Nikki Harley, the Director of Strategic Alliances at SADA. I've gotten to know SADA through my friendship with its founders going back to my early days at Microsoft. And in full disclosure, my son is an employee at SADA. In this episode, you'll learn more about SADA as a top Google partner, how Nikki's team is building out their own alliances and partner strategy and why SADA is a great place to work. I hope you enjoy this informative interview as much as I enjoyed getting to know Nikki Harley. Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Vince. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you as well. And welcome to Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You're the Director of Strategic Alliances for SADA, one of Google's preeminent partners. So I'm delighted to have you today to discuss working with Google, SADA's success, and how you're continuing to iterate to drive growth through partnerships. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Well, I'm no stranger to SADA, so I was really excited to have you as a guest. As you know, your leader, Tony Safoyan, is a friend, and he's been a three-time guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. We go way back to the days when I was working at Microsoft, and we got to collaborate quite a bit together. But for our listeners that maybe missed those episodes, can you briefly tell us about SADA? Absolutely. You know, it sounds like you and Tony obviously got connected back when we had our Microsoft practice. We actually divested that a few years back. And so we're now 100% focused on Google Cloud. So we're Google's number one partner two years in a row, going for a three-peat here, hopefully. You know, we're focused on helping customers get the most out of Google Cloud and their investment in GCP. So, you know, whether that's from technical account management and cost optimization, you know, your your typical stuff like infrastructure modernization, app development, and some new programs that I'm excited to talk about a little bit later, like our SaaS Alliance program. I can't wait to dive in. I mean, two-time partner of the year is quite a big honor. And what I really excites me is what you're doing now to drive critical growth within the business. Can you share with our listeners why your role, alliances, and why that's a critical factor in your continued growth of SADA? Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, I had up our alliances here at SADA and joined in, in the fall of last year. So it's an entirely new role, new business unit for SADA, but it's such a, a big focus for us going into you know, 2021 and, and, and beyond, you know, and kind of a, for a few different reasons. When you think of ISVs and SaaS companies and digital natives, it's kind of a vertical in and of itself. So, you know, it's it's a large focus for us. It's a large focus for, for Google Cloud. And then when you think about the solutions that these ISVs and SaaS companies are providing, most often they're providing, you know, very valuable solutions for B2B, our customer base. And so being able to provide them with those solution sets, you know, for our existing customers is also super important. So my role here, I'm focused on managing the relationships with all of these 
third-party solutions. And really, that means everything outside of Google Cloud itself, right? Because that's that's obviously very well managed by everybody here at Zada. So, you know, I head up a small team here that are focused on the, you know, whole partner lifecycle, right? Like the recruitment, the vetting, the go-to-market, co-sell, co-marketing, and ensuring that these alliances that we enter into are are mutually successful in the long run. You know, the work you do, you know, I've had several guests on this podcast from the ch- you know, channel experts, I call them, people like Jay McBain from Forrester and others. And we talk about this, what I call partner play that's happening, right? Because the decisions are being made across, A, there's several different point solutions that we're trying to integrate. There are people getting several people that are involved in the decision process. And partnering with other organizations is just a key accelerant to growth, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, obviously, especially when you're looking at enterprises, right? Like their tech stack is so complex. And, you know, it all it all varies based on where they're at in their business. But there's there's certainly no like, solution that is one size fits all and solves every problem. So finding the right type of solutions to partner with and, and to go to market with is so, so crucial and important for longevity and success of all of our joint customers. So it, it's such an important area. And I'm so glad that we're, that we're investing in this area going forward. Yeah. So what do you look for in a great partner? Like, what's the value for them partnering with your organization? Yeah. I mean, what, what we look for in our partners, right, is kind of first and foremost, what we were just speaking to, right? Like solutions that help solve valuable problems for our customers. So like, what gaps do they solve? Do they have a very clear value proposition? Like, do they know where they fit in the market? Solutions that are built on GCP, obviously being uh, 100% focused on Google, that's, you know, a pretty important factor. Or if they're not built on GCP, do they help drive GCP consumption for our customers? And then ones that are, you know, open to revenue share models and opportunities for service revenue and and things like that. because all of these things are so incredibly important from being able to solve problems for our customers, uh, being able to jointly help our our largest and most strategic partner being Google Cloud, and then also having an additional revenue generating business unit here at SADA in the form of these alliance partnerships. And then in in terms of what's the value, right? Kind of two-part question there. Value is, you know, we're, like we talked about before, very closely aligned with Google Cloud. And so a lot of these ISVs and SaaS companies that are looking to grow and scale in the Google ecosystem, of course, I would argue that SADA is the best partner to to help them do that. So that, in addition to what we're doing in terms of investing in these types of solutions, and we can kind of talk about that more in a bit, but our, our new SaaS Alliance program that we announced earlier this year is is such a huge differentiator for SADA and something we're really we're really proud of. And hopefully, you know, that's bringing a lot of value to these, these ISVs and hopefully they see that. You know, would you mind peeling back on that a little bit? Like, do you want to talk to us a little bit more about that new program that you have? Yeah. So, you know, when, when you think about ways that you can partner with these types of solutions, right? Like typically you're just looking at the, the rev share models, right? Like you're, you're looking at certain margins and, and rebates and, and that kind of thing. We're kind of taking a, yes, that is important, but in a, a different approach to this in the sense of our, our SaaS Alliance program very literally allows us to reinvest these ISVs and SaaS companies' investment in GCP into the partner program to allow us to fund things like joint go-to-market and co-selling. So, you know, when you think about what SADA does at its core, right? Like, at the end of the day, we're, we're a Google, Google Cloud reseller. And so the money that we're making off of, of those deals where we're profiting, typically that goes into other areas of the business. Whatever finance and accounting does with that, who knows? But in this very unique scenario, when they are a SADA customer that is a 
ISV or SaaS company and one that we see the value in and you know we realize that it will help solve problems for our customers we're actually taking the profits that we make off of that off of reselling their GCP and apply that very literally to the partnership to allow us to have essentially a pool of funds to do things like you know, joint webinars, getting them on our Cloud and Clear podcast, doing some co-selling and co-marketing, and in some scenarios, even having like dedicated sales headcounts. And then of course, alliance management, which is so incredibly important, having that go-to point of contact to be the internal champion for these these solutions internally at SADA and within Google. You know, I find that refreshing because I work with a lot of organizations and some of them struggle with partnering. It seems like you're doing some things here specifically to optimize the partnerships. You're investing in resources, go to market. It's so important to get down to what I call the rubber meets the road, right? You can say we have a great alliance, but then what does that mean? It sounds like you've invested in headcount as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's very important, right? Like we need to have have somebody who's there and and focused on making these partnerships successful, right? Like obviously we have everybody here at SADA focused on on the Google partnership, but we need to have people who are focused on the partnership with these other third parties and ISVs to make sure that they're successful because throwing out a joint blog and saying we're partners doesn't necessarily always mean we're going to see some joint success. Yeah. There definitely is a lot of legwork involved in getting a partnership off the ground. And so having the resources in terms of funding and headcount, I think is is so important. And we're already starting to see some great success from this program that we just, we kind of soft launched it in Q4 of last year and officially launched publicly here in, in Q1 of 2021. And we're already seeing so much great success in terms of collaborating on co-marketing and driving pipeline. And actually one of our Alliance sales reps closed their, their first deal yesterday. So wow. we we're very excited about that. And I think you actually know that person, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do I know anybody at SADA? <laughs> well, for, for full disclosure, my son is an employee at SADA System, so I have to come out and say that, Nikki. And thank you for mentioning his big win. So, <laughs> yes, I was, I was, I was so so happy about that. So yeah. you're doing a great job. But it's it is you know, and I independent from that conversation, it does it is so important to drive that level of specificity and focus at the account level, and a lot of organizations miss this. So I, I'm really calling this out for all organizations to get it right when they build their partner to partner plays. That that you really need to make the right investments in resources to drive that success. And I love the work that you're doing there. Yeah, thank you. So what about partners that struggle? working with you and your team, like, what would you tell them now if you could? I've, we've all had these, right? Where we had the Kumbaya meeting and we're, we think we're off to a great start and then nothing happens. Like what, what has your, been in your experiences there? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a few different things, right? And I think they're, they're all things that will, that can be ironed out in time. But a lot of times when we're having these conversations and to your point, like having this Kumbaya meeting of, oh, this is so great. The alignment's there you know, absolutely, let's get after it and go. And then we look back after a quarter and it's like, well, what happened? Again, it's not, I think, goes back to not having that level of investment into the partnership. And w- when we're able to apply that investment, then then we're really able to, to hit the ground running and go. But another really big way that we're trying to solve these problems, right? Like in terms of being able to partner with more solutions. And a lot of times these these companies are are bigger than us. Like when you when you look at SADA, we're only what, like 350 people right now. So, you know, we're, we're Google's partner of the year, two years in a row, but we're, we're certainly not the size of Accenture or Deloitte or Atos. And so they're coming to us and into these meetings and saying, great, let's partner and do all these great things. But, oh, here's, 
here's our partner program and it requires a hundred engineers get trained and certified on our solution. Yeah. And it's like, shoot, we haven't even had a win yet. So we don't even have a hundred engineers that are able to be taken off of these projects. We can't staff enough for the Google projects that we have. We certainly don't have them sitting around waiting to, to be able to do these non-billable projects and, and certifications. So it kind of puts us in a tough spot when, you know, we want to partner, we see the, we see the value, we see the long-term vision, but we're just not there yet in terms of size because they're used to they're used to the Deloitte's and Accenture's and Atos's of the world, and that's how they've built out their programs, and it doesn't always meet in terms of of scale. You know, you mentioned a point here. I, I, I love the fact you know you, you punch. I, I believe that SADA punches above its own weight, right, in terms of the size of your organization. Yet you are the top partner within the Google Google sphere. It says quite a bit about doing the right things versus trying to do everything. 100%. Like you can't be the expert in everything. You just can't. And we pride ourselves on being the experts in Google Cloud. And so if we try to do everything, we're going to end up failing at a lot of things, right? We want to be really good at a few things. And I think that that's so important from a partner perspective and also an ISV perspective and SaaS perspective, when they don't have a, a clear value proposition and they're they're trying to be thought of, of everything, it's like, oh, here, we can help in all of these different use cases that you know span across all of these different verticals and across SMB and enterprise. It's like, well, shoot, you've just named everything. How do, how do yeah. we know when to, when to work with you and when to call you? So having very clear, very clear definitions of where you're experts and where you're not, I think is so important on both sides. Yeah, I think that is so true. You'll make investments in some areas that just don't reap the same level of rewards. Yep, absolutely. And I think, you know, one other point in terms of like how we can better partner and and ways that we can make sure that we don't have this kumbaya meeting and and it doesn't just flounder, right? Is making sure that all of the incentives are aligned to drive the desired outcomes. Mm. Um, A lot of times we talk about co-selling together, right? And bringing our teams together to work on accounts to try to get it off the ground. I think that's, you know, a really easy way to get a partnership going. But if the incentives aren't there, then it doesn't work. So when comp neutrality is great, we hear that word a lot, right? And I'm all for it. If if they are not comp neutral, then, you know, I definitely see it having a slower start than ones that are. But take it a step further than that, right? Like make it partner first, not just neutral. Make it partner first. So that way we are incentivized to bring you in as much as possible. You are incentivized to bring us in as much as possible. And we can both, both sides can see that level of investment. And I can tell you, you know, firsthand from being at SADA, the ones that have been partner first versus the ones who aren't, they're the ones that are partner first are taking off and going. And the, the pipeline there is so much greater than it is in, in other areas. And so I can't harp on that enough, making sure that whatever we're talking about in terms of co-selling and co-marketing, like let's make sure that all the incentives are there to drive that outcome and it not just be, you know, words that we're actually putting those words into action. I am so with you on this point, right? The the level of investment in the partnership is just so critical to success. And to your point, it's okay to be cop neutral doesn't mean anything to me. Like what motivates me is my paycheck if I'm a seller. And you're right. Sometimes you have to, it has to be a forcing function at times to jumpstart the partnership. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have to invest a lot of times on the front end. Absolutely. And, you know, I I love to peel back, you know, I do spend a lot of time self-admittedly in the Microsoft ecosystem. A lot of the podcasts that you see so far have been in Microsoft. I'm very intrigued by what Google is doing candidly and the work that SADA is doing, because I do believe that Google is in a fast track to success. 
talk to our listeners a little bit about what it's like to be in the Google ecosystem and why do you think more ISVs and SaaS companies are choosing Google Cloud? Yeah. So, I mean, two-part question. First, in terms of what it's like to be in the Google ecosystem, it's really all I know, right? Like I, I got my start in tech completely diving headfirst into, into the Google Cloud ecosystem. And obviously, I, I'm, I'm still here. I absolutely love it. I can't imagine entering into any other ecosystem, right? Like it's definitely growing very, very quickly. And from what I hear from from others who are very familiar in you know the Microsoft and and AWS worlds, we still have a ways to go, right? Like we were kind of last to the party, and so maybe we're experiencing some growing pains that other cloud providers went through however many years ago. But it's growing and scaling so quickly, and you know I I think they really get the the partner aspect right, right? Like they're not they're not looking at these solutions as like vendors. They're they're looking at them as true partners, and mm-hmm. the level that they are investing. In these ISVs too, on the front end, is you know is is really incredible. So you know, I I can't imagine being in any other ecosystem, and and I think it's really going to take off here soon. And in terms of like you know why more of these you know SaaS companies, ISVs, digital natives are choosing Google Cloud is I think at the end of the day comes down to to kind of three different things, right? Like just talked about the partnership aspect, right, and the level of investment that Google is making in these types of businesses is is incredible. They have so many different you know startup programs and digital native programs and all of these things to kind of help get things started in terms of credits and go to market and all sorts of great stuff. The commercial aspect, right? Like the cost optimization of all of this. And then thirdly, and in, in, in a lot of scenarios, kind of the deciding factor is is the tech. Like this is something where we're seeing more and more a lot of the CTOs and engineers being the ones who's driving driving the decision making. And if if they're in the room and they're making the, the decisions here, they're going to choose GCP all day. So yeah. AWS, I've I think was probably the the go-to back when a lot of these were starting, right? And we're starting to see more and more of those move over. It's interesting to see still kind of being somewhat new to these different ecosystems. I can't imagine working in any other ecosystem and and I have no doubt that it's it's going to take off. Yeah, you know, as, as you were discussing this, I was thinking a little bit about the three hyperscalers and each of them came from a different aspect of the business, right? Microsoft came from the enterprise, you know, the operating system world. AWS came at it from a swipe a credit card, take shares of our our platform because we're a big retailer and we got a lot of data centers. And then Google obviously came at it from search. And I remember having Eric Rosencrantz as a guest way back in early days of the podcast talking about the engineering effort. The Google engineering is outstanding. And some of the technology advances have come right out of Google, right? I think about uh, Kubernetes as an example of that. Yep. No, absolutely. I mean, I am certainly not technical by nature. So it's always funny how I end up in a lot of these conversations and, and I look over to Miles and he's just nerding out <laughs> with, a, with a lot of these conversations for a lack of a better word. It's really cool. I've learned so much just on that side of it, right? Like when, when I first joined the, the Google ecosystem, I remember hearing all these like crazy words, Kubernetes, Hadoop, all this stuff. I'm like, what world am I like, <laughs> did I just enter into? But you know, that's, that's definitely the day to day now. So it's, it's fun been, been learning about this side of it for sure. Well, you mentioned miles. I was thinking about two things. I was thinking about the fact Google has made a lot of investments and resources to build out their enterprise business. And I think you've seen that some people from Microsoft, some friends of, of ours are over at Google now. And then also you've made investments as well. You talked about miles. I think he was a, a key hire for your organization. I know you continue to invest in really up-leveling the talent at Saudi. Can you talk to our listeners just a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something like, especially the culture here at Sada, right? Like people is everything. 
very important to start making some some really heavy heavy investments and heavy hitters from from these different areas, right? So Miles Ward, our CTO, formerly with Google, prior to that was with AWS, especially on the tech side, right? Like with our solutions architecture team. That's that's a brand new team that started around the time I joined last fall, headed up by Kyle, who also former former Googler. And now that team is, gosh, I don't even want to guess now, like 14 strong. So it's just crazy the level of investment we're making, especially on the technology side, right? And then in terms of customer success, that's such another huge initiative for us here, right? We hired John Campbell, who previously was at Rackspace, and he's now our head of customer success and has you know several different teams reporting up to him from our customer success team from Workspace, our technical account management team for Google Cloud. And then our client partner executive team that's focused on the success of, of a lot of our large strategic customers. So he's building out a great team and a great organization. So hiring from within, absolutely. But you know, sometimes it, it makes sense to go and, and find these subject matter experts from other areas and, and bring them over and invest in that talent. And then when you have the talent there, it's also, you know, and I want to dive in on this because I do know, in fact, that SADA is known as a great place to work. Can you talk about what you do to retain that? top talent? You know, I think there's definitely something to be said for companies who make very heavy investments in culture and the people. It's something that goes beyond pay. Yes, everyone wants to be paid fairly and pay well, which SADA absolutely does. But it, it takes it a step further and they really invest in the culture. One of the, the best companies, if not the best company I've ever worked for, right? And I, I previously was in sports. And so it's like, sometimes it's hard to compare sports culture to you know, just your average corporate America <laughs> uh, yeah, type of business, <laughs> right? It's a little unfair, but they they do so much in terms of investing for their people. You know, they every week do some sort of like mindfulness session where, you know, helping kind of folk, helping us focus and stay grounded and stay mindful and, you know, kind of get get our minds off of work for for a little bit. They do all sorts of fun stuff in terms of like sending us stuff in the mail, like for International Women's Day and month in February. They sent us these like snack boxes from women-owned businesses. Wow. And in terms of like investments with certifications and all sorts of stuff. So I can't say enough amazing things about the culture here at SADA. They absolutely invest in their people and help us grow and scale. And I will say in the nine months that I've been here, I have grown so, so tremendously. And it has everything to do with the fact that leadership really puts value in their people and gives them those opportunities to grow. And let's, you know, says yes to some things that some crazy ideas, right, that maybe leadership at other companies wouldn't be so keen to do. So I I can't say enough great things about working here and just the culture that they've been able to build, especially in a remote COVID world. Well, you bring up a really good point. I was thinking about this as well is like, you know, we have all had to learn to work very differently. You and I were talking about this before we got started today. And working remote requires a different level of focus and attention to the people in your organization than it did back in the day. Uh, it sounds like you're doing some really innovative things around this. And it has been a time like no other for all of us. It's been over a year now since this all started. What else are you seeing now that you didn't expect to see since this time began? You know, I'll, I'll say specifically in, in kind of my role in my day to day, something that's really, really interesting is the ability to build and develop new partnerships in this you know, remote world. It's something had you asked me, you know, a year and a half ago, can you build out a partner program from scratch and scale it without being able to travel or, you know, meet people in person, have these types of get to know you conversations? And I would have said, no, absolutely not. 
And when you think about how you're meeting these people face to face on calls, like now people's calendars are booked up back to back to back to back. And so there is really no small talk. It's always like you get on the call and it's right to the business. And so it's it's kind of hard to develop relationships. Being able to to see the partnership side of the organization, not only within SADA, but within, you know, some of these other, you know, companies that we're working with is is kind of amazing. I read an article, I think it was last week, that talked about 50% of partner professionals in 2020 got a raise or, or a promotion and partner organizations grew by one third, like 36%. It's really interesting. Like I, I wouldn't have thought that going into this pandemic, I would have thought that the strategic alliances and partnerships and all of that stuff would have slowed due to it, but it's actually, it's actually increasing. And I think for good reason, like we're, we're realizing that maybe we need to leverage other relationships that, that we don't have. And Think about how we work in a different way. And that's really been interesting to see. It's really great to hear you say that. In fact, I haven't seen that study. I would love to see it and maybe share it with our listeners because I've been saying all along since this started that partnerships will be a key accelerant to growth and ultimately survival, right? Because our times are so different than they were before. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think it's I think it's so important. And you know, like I said before, I'm, I'm just so glad that, that Sada has decided to, to invest in this area and has you know given me the opportunity to head this up and and get things going because I think once this does get going it's like a rocket ship to the moon. I love that analogy. I love that analogy. So I want to pivot here for a little bit, Nikki. As as you might know, I'm always fascinated with how people got to a particular spot in their life and their career. What was the spark that got you to this spot at Sada? You know, it's funny. Like I was saying before, I, I feel like I always end up in like situations that I would have never expected. And I always seem to be living very far outside of my comfort zone. I look back, you know, growing up and and I grew up with a, a single mom and two sisters, never watching a wink of sports in my life growing up until I, you know, went to college and got into college football and, you know, all the great things there, but somehow landed a job at the Atlanta Hawks in the NBA and worked there for several years. And, you know, I knew nothing about basketball, wasn't necessarily passionate about it. Right. So it's kind of funny where you end up. And then same thing here, like I'm certainly not very technical by nature. And so the fact that I'm working in tech and having a lot of these conversations on a day to day, it's just so funny. But I, I think to it, like to my core, I'm just, you know, always wanting to challenge myself and, and get outside of my comfort zone and learn something new. There's something about, I don't know, chaos that I guess I kind of thrive in, in some scenarios. And so when I made the jump in, into tech from sports, I wasn't necessarily sure about it, but uh, turned out to be the absolute best decision of my life. And, you know, they have a fun saying in, a, in Atlanta sports that if you can sell sports in Atlanta, you can sell anything anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things where who knows where, where I'll end up next. But I, I find that this industry specifically, there's always a new challenge. There's always something new to learn. And, and that's what I really love about it. So. so talk to me about, you talked about being raised by a single mom. What about, was there a spark that got you? Like, was there something that set you off on a direction? You you obviously are a very motivated individual. And I was just kind of curious about that. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there was necessarily a spark. I think it just boils down to, you know, being totally honest. I, I kind of had to, to be a hard worker, right? Like single mom, like working multiple jobs to make ends meet in a lot of scenarios. And so went off to college and I worked two jobs my entire time through college. So really three jobs when you think about school plus, plus work. And so I've, I've always just really lived in kind of the grind mode and 
So anytime where I have downtime and like relaxing time, I'm like, what is this? But, you know, I, I think there's something about building something from scratch and creating something that's that, that you've kind of left a stamp on. And I'm, I always talk about my Enneagrams and I don't know if you know what that is, but it's kind of like a, a personality test and they, it's different because they ask you questions based on how you're motivated. Right. And, and I'm an Enneagram three, which basically means that I'm a really hard worker and I, I do things to not only motivate myself, but also to kind of please others in a sense, not necessarily that I'm a people pleaser, but that I really enjoy making people proud. Like I get so much satisfaction out of that. Right. And so that's just kind of how I live my life every day is not only to, to make myself proud, but to make my, my mom proud, to make my husband proud, to make, to make my family proud. And so it's just, it's, I don't know, there's just this constant, constant grind, I guess, within me that has just been instilled from a young age and probably no shaking that. <laughs> I love your motivation. I just think it's wonderful, actually. What, what about advice? Was there any best piece of advice that you received along this, along this journey? I mean, working two jobs in school, starting out in the sports business. Was there anything that you received along the way that kind of got you on the right track? I, I will say hands down, probably the the best professional advice that I've ever received. I remember the conversation very vividly. I was working at the Atlanta Hawks at the time, and I was still working another job on the weekends. And so with the sports, there's obviously games on the weekend, and you're having to work outside of the typical nine to five. And I had to essentially get somebody to cover my shift at the Hawks so I could go work my my weekend job. And my boss sat me down the next Monday and was like, you know, I didn't see you. I didn't see you at the game. You know, I know that you got your position covered, if you will, but how long are you going to do this for? And mm. just kind of talk to him about being responsible for for myself and my my bills and my student loans, and you know, just being a little scared to kind of let go of the the second income. And he was like, you know what, Nikki, at some point, like you just have to bet on yourself. And it was the best advice. Like he was like, you know, go out, take a walk, like figure out, figure out what you want. But he was like, I know you. And if you bet on yourself, you will find a way to make this work. And so quit my weekend job and went all in and at the job at the Hawks. And of course I, he was right. I absolutely did, did amazing. And, you know, I look back on that conversation and it's like, I just, I bet on myself now in every scenario, if there's ever a question of, can I do this or should I do this? And will this work out? It's, if I'm putting all of my my effort into it, I I I know it'll work out. I'm going to bet on myself, and I know that that I can make anything happen if I put my mind to it. I love that bet on yourself. And you know, I had a uh, Dr. Michael Gervais, who's just an amazing sports psychologist, and he his his frame is all we need is within us already, right? We tend to doubt ourselves so so often. Yep, and that and that doubt, you know, I'm sure is there for for a reason, right? But being able to look past it and push forward and just give it your all. You know, the worst that can happen is that you fail and then you learn from that. Absolutely. Great learnings. So if you had a billboard that, you know, we could expose out on, what is it? I-85? What's the big interstate highway in Atlanta? Yeah. Is it 85? Yeah. Yeah, you got it. So we could post this big billboard and it's going to be in the high traffic zone of Atlanta. I know Atlanta has a lot of traffic. Oh, I know yeah. that firsthand. What would this billboard that you had that you wanted to project out to the world, what what would it say on it? You know, I think I listen, you know, obviously to a few of your podcasts, and I think somebody alluded to this common phrase a few episodes ago, but you know, it's work hard and be nice to people. And and I think there's there's something to be said for people who who put in their their effort and they work hard and they're, you know, proud of what they do. And 
continue to to stay humble and kind and approach everything with grace because you, you truly don't know people's struggles and until you've kind of learned about them and and what they've gone through making assumptions and you know pointing fingers obviously isn't is isn't the kind of person that I would ever want to be and so just reminding people that that everybody's going through their own struggle and if we all just work hard and you know take everything with a little bit of grace I think we'll all be in good shape I really like that billboard <laughs> I love work hard and be nice to people I love it and you're right about people's struggles. We don't know. We don't know what other people are going through. And that's so insightful. So, Nikki, you were having a dinner party. We're all vaccinated at this point, let's hope. And <laughs> maybe or we're socially distancing or whatever. We're wearing masks if we need to. But you're having this wonderful dinner party or you're planning it. And you can invite any three guests from the present or the past to the dinner party. Whom would you invite and why? So I, ha I have to ask you if you want my like very honest but complicated and probably require some explanation answer, or if you want my answer that everybody would understand without much explanation. I think the explanation's okay. Is it? Well, you take take <laughs> me through it. You take me through it. Well, you know. So I was thinking about this this question. I like I don't know why I struggle with this question so much, but I was like, you know what? Like, stop thinking about some brilliant answer. Like, what is the honest answer? And <laughs> The honest Absolutely. answer is kind of, it's about family. And so to make a somewhat long story short, me and my husband found out very quickly after dating that our families kind of had a migration in very similar paths. And so we found out that his grandfather and my grandmother went to the same high school in a small town in Pennsylvania and knew each other. And ironically, both families ended up moving down to South Florida where then my mother and his parents went to rival high schools in the same county. Oh, that's And funny. then both moved up to Georgia and ended up in small suburbs of Atlanta. And of course, me and my husband didn't meet until college. But when we first started dating, I met his his grandfather and we got to talking. And, you know, that's when we found out that our, our parents, our grandparents were from the same small town in Pennsylvania. And he was like, oh, Betty, yes, I remember her. I, I remember her really well. She worked at the Bilo. I had such a crush on her, you know, all of these things. And my grandmother had passed at that point. And then my husband's grandfather passed shortly after that. So, you know, he didn't see us date for seven years and then get married and, and all this stuff. So I just, if I could have a dinner party and pluck anybody from, from the past, I would, I would bring my grand, my grandmother, my husband's grandfather and my husband. Cause I think that would be such an interesting conversation. <laughs> That's so cool. That is so cool. Family is so important. And so, you know, it's, we all get tied up with work and, and kind of the crazy in the day to day. And so that's the honest answer is outside of, you know, any of the people that I could have met that, that would, I, I'm sure I would learn so much from, but at the end of the day, I think family is everything. And, and I just think that would be, I think that would be so fun. <laughs> that is such a great answer, Nikki. I have to tell you, uh, you have been an amazing guest. I just am so delighted that we got to spend some time here today. Do you have any parting comments for our listeners on how they might optimize for their success this year? Yeah, I mean, I think kind of going back to the approach everything with a little bit of grace and, you know, give it your all. I truly think that coming out of this pandemic and, and this craziness, everybody's kind of seen a little insight into everybody's personal lives, right? And so I think this will be much easier and probably more people will be thinking about this kind of stuff when the world goes back to normal a little bit, but just kind of retaining some of what we learned and, and trying to see the, the positives out of, out of this craziness. And, and that's, 
everybody's kind of going through their own struggles and, you know, just again, approaching everything with grace and working hard and working together. And when all of those things are combined, I, I think we'll be able to do great things. I'm looking forward to, to this year and things going back to somewhat normal and just taking some of the lessons that we learned over this past year and applying it for the future. Thank you for sharing with our listeners, Nikki. Thank you so much for being a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. As with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at vincem at ultimate-partnerships.com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right, optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering with your host, Vince Minzione. Online at ultimateguidetopartnering.com and facebook.com slash ultimateguidetopartnering. We'll catch you next time on The Ultimate Guide to Partnering.